Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Wilsey. Well, good morning and welcome to the Smart Investing Show. I'm Brent Wilsey, just about 8.01 on Saturday morning. Great to have you here this Saturday morning and every Saturday morning talking about your money, the economy, investing, and all these important things to help you grow your net worth. And with me to help on that is Chase. Good morning, Chase. Hey, good morning. We got a lot to talk, talk about uh, today, and uh, let's just jump right in because I know you're very excited. A lot of people <laughs> are talking about the Super Bowl. Uh, well, also, we look at it a little bit different than the players and stuff like that. Well, although you do. I mean, you played football through college and everything. But uh, we look at the number side here. And, yes, the big game is now just, well, tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> it's tomorrow. coming quick. <laughs> <laughs> As always, we like to take a look at some numbers before enjoying the games. One that stands out to me is the cheapest ticket. Well, $3,408 a share. Almost at a share. If you looked uh, last week to secure a spot, the cheapest seat was 5300 And this is one I love. I thought about it. Like, no, I don't have that much money. <laughs> if you want to enjoy a suite with some friends, it would cost more than $906,000. There is definitely a lot of money still left in the economy with people affording these type of prices. And I, I think I saw somewhere, too. I, I, I couldn't find it yesterday when I was looking at the numbers, but I thought I heard that ticket prices were up, like, they almost doubled. Like, yeah. I, I mean, they've just skyrocketed. It's kind of catching that inflation train <laughs> along with everybody else. But, I mean, gosh, you look at this, and, I, I mean, there is a lot of money in the economy because it's not just the ticket. That's just for one ticket. You got to pay. You're not going by yourself. You know, oh, if that's you go right. with a, yeah. a spouse or a kid. Maybe somebody did. Maybe <laughs> yeah. somebody did. <laughs> but then you have the festivities around the weekend. You have the travel. I mean, this weekend's costing you probably I don't know fifty grand somewhere. <laughs> it's insane. But uh, it's not just the ticket prices that uh, we took a look at. There's another interesting aspect that that we were looking at. And unfortunately for the players. The game takes place in California, and while they're probably enjoying the sunshine compared to some areas around the country <laughs> right now, the thing that we look at is the 150000 bonus for players on the winning team. Well, it's going to be taxed at a higher rate than last year's Super Bowl champs. Reason for that, California has a top marginal tax bracket of 13.3% versus no income tax in the state of Florida, and, and the way that players pay taxes kind of wherever you Play right. that week, you have to file a tax return. So it's not just the bonus, but also their salaries this week. Kind of sucks that uh, you're going to get hit hard with the California taxes. So enjoy <laughs> that, players. Uh, and then other thing, too, that we look at is uh, always interest me. The cost for a 30-second spot for an advertisement hit a new record of $7 million. And gosh, I mean, those ads need to be really captivating to recoup that investment. Yeah, and it's kind of funny uh, because I still remember it. I, I think I want to say like ten years ago, I believe like wow, maybe it's a bit longer, one million dollars for a thirty-second spot. Now that's seven hundred percent higher. And I, we probably should look that up, but I just thought about it now because I do remember it was a big deal to hit one million dollars. But that's going to be quite uh, 
quite the game. And I guess you're going for who are you going for? Bengals. I love Joe Burrow. That guy's awesome. Oh wow. Well, okay, that's that's what we play here, Joe Burrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was watching a thing yesterday on Joe Namath, and uh, he was talking to Barney on, on Fox Business, and he said some quarterback name, and Barney just like, who? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's funny you look at Joe Burrow, and he doesn't look like much. Yeah. Like if you saw him on the streets, you you would think NFL player. Right. He's got kind of got like a baby face and really? but he's just he's a winner. He's, he's right. fun to watch. He's he's got swagger is what I would say about him. So I I'm I, hard to not root for the Bengals. They're the underdogs, so I, I'm going with the Bengals. All right. Well, I'll, I'll go with you there because I, I, I don't know. <laughs> although I know a lot of people I uh, LA Rams say like the Rams. So I, I don't know. We'll see. It's hard because my uncle's a huge Rams fan, so I haven't told him I'm going for the Bengals, but he probably I, wouldn't be happy. <laughs> and I think I did see, gosh, I can't remember the number, the amount of money being bet on the Super Bowl, I believe it was the biggest ever. Is that like $7 billion bet on this game? Is that the number? Yeah, I, I know it's an outrageous amount. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's crazy. And again, comes back to the same topic we discussed. A lot of money, money in the economy. Yep, yep. So people are willing to bet. So, but let's talk about things that aren't so good. I, I, the trade deficit. I was disappointed to see the trade deficit come in at a record-setting level for 2021. And this is not where you want records. The trade deficit has now reached 859 billion dollars on a yearly basis. That's an increase of 27 percent over the previous year. Also concerning to me is roughly 40 percent of the deficit is with China at $355 billion, an increase of 14.5% over 2021. And the thing we got to look at here is a large trade deficit, well, it's dangerous because we're giving away our dollars to the world and China in exchange for goods. I mean, eventually the world and China could own us. And we've said this many times over the years that we need to reverse this course before it's too late. And I was thinking a great example of why this trade deficit is so impactful is you look longer term. Well, we've discussed huge problem lately with semiconductors yeah and we've talked about how we used to control the manufacturing here and oh, we started outsourcing it to all these different countries well now the supply chain got all messed up now you're seeing huge uh, shortages in semiconductors if you keep outsourcing everything that we're doing and keep trading all these different goods across the the borders well we're gonna have major problems here because again we talk about issues with russia and perhaps china they stop trading with us i mean we could have huge issues if they cut off supplies for our goods that's not going to be good for inflation either i'll tell you what and, and actually russia and china had a record trade uh themselves relationship relationship i think it was like 147 billion dollars if my mind serves me correctly uh they never used to be that buddy buddy and it kind of worries me that they're getting closer and closer because it's not not good because the United States could be kind of left out in the cold. Like, well, we don't need the U.S. anymore for that. We'll just get to China. We'll get it from Russia. And they, they've got enough energy over there now. Uh, Russia is giving China, uh, not giving, but selling them uh, energy. So it, we're in a difficult situation with them, and we got to do something to turn around. The thing I – and some people say, well, they just don't really look at the trade deficit. Who cares? I, I compare it to it's like high blood pressure. You don't feel it. You don't see it. But one day – it causes a heart attack. And it's the same thing with this. You don't feel it like, yeah, we're getting our products and so forth. One day it's gonna cause a heart attack to all of a sudden like, wait a minute, they've got all this money and we, we've given it all to them. We've gotta stop this. It's gonna, it gets worse every, every year. Yeah, and I, I don't wanna spend too much time on this side of things, but I, I gotta say it, I mean, what happened to our trade deal? That's obviously not <laughs> going the way it was anticipated. And it, 
I'm going to say it. You know, Biden said he was going to be tough on China. It does not appear that we're being tough on China. It seems like, again, we're giving them everything, and they're right. giving us nothing back. Yeah, I mean, where's the enforcement of that trade deal? Because they've not, China's not kept up their end at all, which would help reduce, you know, the, the deficit there. But they're, they're, there's no teeth there, and, and that, that's what you have to do. And, uh, yeah, we won't get too political, but it's just, uh, you know, we need to enforce those trade deals because we're not on a good path. And I know we try to be like, uh, you know, critical race and woke and, and uh, you know, clean energy, but that's not going to help with the world because the world is getting more powerful and more valuable, we'll, we'll call it, uh, China and Russia. Uh, they don't care that you have clean energy. They don't care that you're fair to everybody. No, they want to take you over and take, we, you know, we're like a gold mine here. We've got a lot of natural resources and, and, uh, and again, it's not going to happen in six months or 12 months, but we keep on this path eventually the United States will be very weak as they get stronger and stronger. Yeah, and I, I again, just want to drive home that point back to the economy is we, we need to have cleaner supply chains. I mean, we've seen how disastrous that, you know, the shipping has been with, yeah. you know, the, the ships being stuck off the ports and not being able to get your goods. And, I mean, you look at the auto industry. I, I mean, you can't get chips to build the cars. You can't put the cars on the lots. Now what's happening in the used and new car prices, they're just going through the roof. Yeah. That is just one problematic area that we've kind of seen that really stands out. If you start to apply this to different sectors as well, if we start, you know, talking about like steel, energy, whatever it may be, if we start just taking resources from other places around the world and we start to rely on that supply right. chain too much, that's where you see the problems that we've seen in the auto industry. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's something, and again, I don't want to have like the smokestacks and, and terrible air and so forth. I don't want people to think that's all I'm about, but uh, you've got to sometimes go, do things slowly, yeah. you know, to get the clean air slowly, to get the, the these things slowly. So uh, phone numbers, by the way, uh, you want to call in for that unbiased, no strings attached, phone number opinion about what you want to talk about, 833 288 That's 833 833- Two eight eight zero nine seven three. Jason, numbers are in on inflation, and it's no surprise that inflation rose by seven point five percent over the past year. It was the largest annual increase since February nineteen eighty two. What effects does this have, or will this have, besides the obvious? Obvious. Well, interest rates are rising. The ten-year Treasury this past week, I think it was Thursday, did cross the two percent level, and that's the first time since <coughs> August two thousand nineteen. And the other thing we also saw was the 30-year fixed mortgage rate came in at 3.69%. And I do believe this next week we will see that closer to 3.8%. The rising rates have definitely led to a slowdown in mortgage applications as last week applications to purchase a home were down 12% compared to last year. And applications to refinance a home down 52% compared to last year. I mean, this could be the reversal in the housing market that that we've been kind of talking about. And, and you know, and this is going to affect other things as well. I mean, it's going to affect uh, like your, like Maytag because a lot of times you're getting a new home, you want a new washer and dryer. It's going to affect other ones. Uh, carpeting companies could affect carpeting companies because, well, maybe they won't put carpeting in the new home, change that. So there's a lot of things that this does actually affect, and this is what people don't realize. And I, and I with inflation rising, um, it's coming from too much money in the economy. And, and I, I, 
I'm going to have to blame our current administration. They thought it was a good thing. And they've even said, oh, more money does not cause inflation. Like, I don't know if they went to basic economic school or not, because obviously it does, because you have more money chasing fewer goods or not enough goods. It's going to raise the price. Whoever can afford my price, you get it. So it is a problem. Yeah. And uh, I did want to kind of look at some of the areas that, that did really spike. I, I mean, I kind of pulled some numbers on, you know, energy. That was yep. a huge contributor. That was up 0.9% in the month and 27% compared to last year. I mean, we all see the gasoline prices. <laughs> and gosh, got to say this, uh, you know, Harrison, our financial planner, his sister's in town right now. And we're driving past the gas station. She's like, whoa, what is that? That gas price over there. <laughs> and she's from uh, Arizona. Arizona. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, we're lucky here in California. But it is still higher across the entire industry or excuse me, the nation. The other thing I talked about as well is the vehicle cost. I mean, this is just, I mean, it's insane. I mean, if you look at the vehicle costs in particular, they were flat for new models and up 1.5% used cars. I just can't believe that used cars <laughs> continue to climb. And looking at the two categories year over year, well, new models, they were up 12.2% and used cars, 40.5% crazy in the last 12 months. It, it's just, it's insane. Yep. I mean, it, it it's a runaway problem and this is the one that i think is going to continue to be an issue and that's shelter costs they make up about one-third of the total cpi they increased 0.3 percent on the month uh it was the smallest gain since august 2021 but the category is up 4.4 percent over the past year and could keep inflation readings elevated in the future because it's such a large portion and we've talked about this in the past but i want to reemphasize it is it's not based off home prices it's right. based off kind of i think they call it a rent equivalency essentially so it's what you could rent your house out for but we see rising rents all over the country because people that are buying these houses well you got to increase rents to recoup your investment yep. i think that's going to keep inflation elevated for I think the next few years. Right. I want to give our listeners a tip as well, because if you are looking to buy a car, you might want to buy a new car. Uh, Ford and General Motors come out and said, our dealers will not be uh, charging above the MSRP. If they do, there's going to be consequences. And consequences, they will cut their inventory going forward. There's some other things they didn't bring up. But if you if you do want to buy a new car, you might have to wait for it because they're not there. But Ford and General Motors products, they have to be selling those at the uh, MSRP, the dealership. And if they're not, <clears throat> I would go down the street to somebody else that is, and I'd also re would report them to the corporate office at GM and Ford. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a, that's a good point. And uh, just kind of back to the inflation item, I mean, that's kind of what I think is is really going to continue to move the market. I mean, you've seen, you know, the market's doing okay, and then the inflation report came out on Thursday. And, I mean, the last two days for the S&P, the NASDAQ, specifically the, the tech companies, again, you see them, they're, they're just getting crushed. Right. And if you continue to see the 10-year note climb, and I, I'm still thinking we'll see somewhere around – my prediction earlier in the year was two to two and a quarter by year end. I mean, well, we're already at 2%. Yeah, so yeah. I, I still think we'll end somewhere around two and a quarter for the full year. I mean, that's not going to be good for the, the, the big tech. So be cautious. I think you're going to see inflation remain high next month, which could put some big pressure on the Fed at their next meeting. They're talking now perhaps a half percentage point increase rather than a quarter. Yeah, and, and that could raise things. We could say closer by the end of the year, a 3%. You know, I was watching a thing um, yesterday on Warren Buffett. He was talking back in about 2018. They're going, yeah, you, you know, the 10-year Treasury is at 4%. You know, it's not bad. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, whoa, so we could go back to 4%. And that seems bad when you go from 2 to 4, or actually, one. I think all those are 1.3 to 4. Yeah. But um, it, it, it's just, I mean, the economy can, can still grow at that 
that three and four percent range, but it's going to have to be a, a slow, gradual thing. And if we hit three percent by the end of the year, if it's slow, I think it'll be fine. But you will see a slowdown in housing. You'll see a slowdown in things. But we need that to pull back on inflation. That that's it, it, there's going to be a little bit of pain there, yeah. but uh, that, that's okay. Phone numbers uh, eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three. That's eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three. I look over like. All fine. All phone lines are open. So uh, I, I did want to kind of talk a little bit more on the oil since uh, since we have it there. And I, you know, this is to, to President Biden, and uh, you need to open the oil and the gas lines immediately. On on Friday, February fourth, China and Russia announced this. Is what I was talking about a new oil and gas deal value, valued at roughly one hundred eighteen billion dollars. It should also be known that the trade deficit between or the trade between the two uh, countries hit a record one hundred forty seven billion dollars yeah and, and the only way to really stop russia is to flood the world market with oil and gas i mean we have plenty of it here it would drive down the price and hurt russia's most valuable product oil and gas by the way this would also help our economy by reducing inflation and driving down our energy costs and again energy costs are such an instrumental part mm -hmm. of so many businesses you talk about transportation you talk about uh airlines you talk about trucking, you talk about all these different sectors that have these higher energy costs that get passed on to consumers. So that would be a huge help to our economy and also hurt Russia. I do fear if we don't do this soon, it will be Russia and China against the U.S., and that would put us in a very difficult situation. I guess Biden is talking to Putin this morning, so we'll see how that goes. Well, I, I, and I, I think Putin's rather tough. I hate to say this. I don't think uh, Biden is. I think Biden's a little passive on certain things, and it's— uh, Russia's tough. China's tough. I mean, we need a tough person. Uh, Biden got to step, step it up a little bit and be a little tougher there. Uh, and it's no secret that gas prices at the pump are high because of a shortage of oil. And we all know that uh, was caused by the shortage of, uh, well, OPEC Plus is coming up short by 790,000 barrels per day on production goals. Yeah, and it's, again, the increased regulatory environment, you know, not encouraging drilling and transportation of the energy. I mean, we have it here. We, yeah. we just we need to open it back up, and we need to become energy independent once again. Um, and as I said, the inflation there's a, there's a couple of different ways we could help with the inflation other than rising interest rates. Yeah, and, and it's something that's just very difficult because we know it's here. Uh, and oil companies, U.S. oil companies, have kind of pulled back on their development going forward because they don't want to put all the money into it. So we got to turn the energy situation around here in the country well, and it's important too. people blame the oil company well the oil companies still have to be profitable so they're saying well we can't invest as much because we don't have as much capital when oil prices were low because it's not as profitable and you know <laughs> now it's it's kind of a self-inflicting wound and the oil companies now well they're doing great because oil prices are high so i mean very happy we have an energy company in the portfolio we've been talking about it for years about yeah. having a good energy company and it, it's paying off now I, I hope people listened and put good energy in their portfolios yep yep well again phone lines are open 833-288-0973 let's go out to the callers here let's go out to uh, doug and Terrasana. doug you're on the smart vest show brent chase how can we help you hey brent <coughs> hey brent chase <coughs> let's get to take a look at a company called prologis pld Okay, and do you hold that or looking to buy that? No, I uh, uh, on I think it was last week. There was a, a short article in the Wall Street Journal. Um, they had just announced their quarterly results with a, a very positive, and the CEO uh, uh, 
painted a uh, a pretty positive picture going forward. Okay, well, we'll go. To, so let's take a look at uh, Prologis. Uh, symbol is PLD. We see it in the uh, real estate uh, investment uh, trust area. I was surprised on that. I thought it was a regular company, but it, uh, yeah, it's a REIT. Uh, we do see that uh, they have short, uh, not very much, 1.6%, but 97% is owned by institutions. We do see a PE ratio of 37.2 versus 21 for the industry, so that's expensive. Sales are expensive, 23.5 versus 16.2. Price to book value, 3.3. That is better than the industry at 8.5. Then price to cash flow, 37.3. Once again, more expensive than the industry average. They do not have a peg ratio. We do see their earnings per share uh, growth over one year was 96% for PLD versus 43 for the industry. Uh, sales growth up 7.2, not quite as good as the industry at 10. You do get a dividend yield of 1.7%. They use 63% of their earnings to pay that out. Not quite as good as the industry at 2.4. I'm surprised with a low dividend, uh, this being a REIT. Uh, usually get a little bit higher than that, to at least around a 3 to 4. Uh, look at the balance sheet. You got a current ratio of 1 versus 1.5. Debt to equity looks good, 0.5 versus 0.7. And then uh, we've got a net profit margin. Now, these are strange, 61.8%. Versus 75.7%. I'd really want to look at that uh, uh, income statement to really understand how they're getting such a high net profit margin. Return on equity, not that good. 8.8 versus 10.9. Jace, what do you got? Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering on the net margin if they sold some properties. That's generally yeah. how it's a little more cyclical in the, the REIT. But I, I just got to reemphasize I, I was shocked when I saw that debt level. That's really low for a, a REIT. Yeah. That, that's quite intriguing. But uh, current price here for PLD, it's $146.31. 52-week high, $169.93. Uh, wow, actually hit it on the last day of 2021. On uh, 1231 is when they hit their high. Oh, wow. 52-week uh, low, though, $94.14. Year-to-date, I see they're down 13.1%. Uh, moving forward, a little disappointed here, actually. Very disappointed because I see 2023, their funds from operations. Again, that's how we value the REITs rather than earnings because of kind of cash flow, the depreciation on real estate and so forth. See, it's $5.48. Would give us a target sell price of ninety dollars and ninety seven cents, and and this REIT they've been a huge benefactor of the e commerce space. They kind of help with the warehouses. It looks right. like the in, the e commerce type businesses is who their clients are, which has been a big boom for them. But it looks like that growth is slowing as FFO from two thousand twenty two to two thousand twenty three is estimated to just grow around nine point eight percent. That's not huge growth any longer. I worry that that could impact it. I think it's in a great space. I think the business is fine. It, it, it's just too pricey. And, and Doug, I'd be really curious more about what this does. You said the the warehousing space. You think, Chase? Is that what you? Yeah, because say? it says they yeah, have. I'll oh, go ahead, Doug. Uh, yeah, apparently they're uh, they're a big warehouse uh, warehousing and logistics operation, mm -hmm. and they've been pouring a lot of money into the automation that the Amazons and the Walmarts of the world are, uh, are demanding of their providers. And, uh, <clears throat> so yeah, it's, <clears throat> I guess they're classified as a REIT, but, uh, sort of in the gray area between, uh, being a REIT and actually being, a you know, a, a, a brick and mortar, uh, operation. What, what caught my eye when I read the article was their, their, their profit margin seemed really high. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and that's why Chase said maybe they sold something off or something there because, and that's why you got to dig through the the income statement to see what is there. Um, but it, I think it's an exciting company, but that's why I think the stock is probably a little bit too high. 
actually made a lot of it too high. And they just don't seem to have the earnings going forward. I mean, I, like I said, I think it's a great real estate play uh, if it was priced better properly because, yeah. I mean, they, they have a diverse base. It's not like they're just with Amazon, just with Walmart. It says they have 5,500 customers. And again, they're primarily in two major categories, business, business, and retail slash online fulfillment. So again, yeah. they're, they're holding those warehousing spaces, which we see all over the place now. But uh, talking about those big players, I do wonder how much Amazon and Walmart are of their business because right. Amazon, we know, has a, a boatload of money. They could all say, all of a sudden say, you know, I don't feel like, you know, paying rent anymore. We're just going to go buy a building or they buy a warehousing space. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah. that's something that could hurt their business. Just something I, w I would be intrigued on. But uh, to be quite frank, not, not worth the research because it is so pricey. Yeah. All right, Doug. Okay. All right. Thanks. All right. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right. That is open on the phone line, 833-288-0973. Let's go up to Temecula and speak with John. John, you're in the Smart Vet Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, good morning, Brent and Chase. Thanks uh, for taking the call. Oh, thanks for being there. Uh, sure. Hey, you know, I'm looking at an, uh, trying to get another insurance company in the portfolio, and I, you know, I'm looking to see if I'm missing something on Mercury Insurance. Uh, you know, I know they're more California-based and a little bit more auto-based, but pretty well diversified. And I'm looking at the numbers, and everything looks uh, looks pretty good. And they're they're hovering at that 52-week low. And I, I put a small position in, but looking to to buy some more. And, and John, uh, we'll look at the numbers here for you. But you mentioned that uh, they're more California-based, and it, it immediately brought me back to gosh, I think 20 years ago. When I made a mistake and I bought uh, Office Depot, I thought, well, this is a great company and how good it is and so forth. And then I found out that they were really concentrated, I think it was in uh, California and Florida, which when the real estate market turned and went down, they got hammered because they were not diversified across the country. So just put that in the back of your mind. Uh, we do like companies that are diversified across the country because there are different economies throughout the country. So if it's mostly in California, we, we want to be careful here. Yeah, and the other thing, speaking about California in particular, is um, I'm going to say they don't have the kindest regulations. <laughs> um, and we do have an auto insurer in our portfolio as well. And they were talking about price hikes all across the country, and they're able to raise prices. They didn't single out particular markets that they were kind of having issues with the regulators on implementing those price hikes. But I would be curious to see how Mercury's relationship is with the state of California and if they're going to be able to implement high price hikes. Because as we talked about, the used car prices, well, that's having a huge impact yeah. on these auto insurers. We know the cost of labor, the cost of parts. That's why they're needing to raise their prices is to offset those prices. So if Mercury can't offset that, that could be a huge problem for them. And we think insurance companies are great long-term investments. But let's take a look at uh, Mercury General. Their symbol is MCY. Uh, only about 4% float is there. Only 42% institutional ownership, which is pretty low, but a great start. This is what we like about insurance companies. They generally trade at good levels. A PE ratio for Mercury is 7.6, below the industry at 10.6. Price of sales, 0.7 versus 0.8. Price to book value, 1.4 for Mercury. That is below the industry at 2.4. And price to cash flow, also looking good, 4.9 versus 6.6. .6. Now we have a nice peg ratio, which is your price earnings divided by growth going forward, 
0.5 for Mercury versus 2.1 for the industry. Earnings over the one year changed about 2.7% for Mercury, the industry up 131%. That is something you wanna look into. Why did the earnings only go up 2.7%? Did they have some write-offs or a big year the previous year? You wanna understand that because it's so far below the industry. On sales, they were up 6.1% for Mercury, which beat the industry at 2.9. They do have a five-year earnings per share growth estimate for Mercury of 37.9. That's very good, especially compared to the industry at uh, 8.5. Nice dividend here, 4.8%. They only use 36% of their earnings to pay that out. So I like seeing that. Insurance companies do have a little bit different um, uh, balance sheet, so there's no uh, current ratio. Debt to equity looks good, 0.2 versus 0.3. Uh, we do see the net profit margin is 9.6 versus 8.6, and return on equity is 17.9 versus 13.9. Chase? Yeah, so current price here for Mercury, well, it's $52.60. As you said there, John, off is 52-week high is $67.88, and low $50.37. Year-to-date, it's a, it's about flat so far. It's a little bit on the smaller side for, I'm going to say the brand recognition. I know Mercury, but I think it's because we are here in California. Market cap's around $2.9 billion. Uh, going forward, though, uh, disappointed by this number, it looks like December 2022, the estimated earnings per share is just $3.40. That would give us a target sell price around $56.44. Now, I will point out, there's just one analyst that follows it, and I, I'm not that surprised seeing that because the institutional ownership is so low. Right. I, I don't know if this company needs to do more roadshows, kind of get more involved with the analyst community, but there's not a whole lot of information out there from analysts, uh, so you're kind of on your own here, John, which always gives me a, a little bit of cause for concern. Yeah, and it's kind of a small company at $2.9 billion. And, and John, the thing I'd be looking at as well is like, are they really concentrating in California? If they are, I would probably, because I, I like what I saw, didn't like what you came with the earnings coming forward, Chase, but it just, if it's too concentrating in California, uh, California is a highly regulated state. Now, maybe you know something about November, maybe in November we, we're gonna get a different governor, I don't know, <laughs> but uh, that would change things. But right now, I, I'd be concerned. And, and the other thing I would look at here too, John, is uh, where is their concentration of business? Are they purely auto? I, yeah. That does cause some concern for me as well. As I said, we do have an auto insurer, but they also have homeowners. They also insure you know, refrigerators, tablets, kind of technology products. So they have a, a diverse set of products that they're insuring where I do worry a little bit more about auto. I mean, you know, we're not going to go to autonomous driving here yeah. next week, but we, we've talked over the longer term. Who's going to be responsible for crashes if we have autonomous vehicles? Is it going to be the car makers? I know GM, for example, has also talked about doing their own auto insurance oh, on yeah. their vehicles. Yeah. So there could be more competition coming into the auto space. I would just want to make sure this company has kind of a backdrop and it's not just a pure auto insurance play. Yeah. And I got really excited, John, when I saw that 4.8% uh, dividend yield, but don't get excited by that. Uh, look at, uh, again, the things we talked about for you. Already? Yeah, you bet. And uh, they are, they're about 70% California-based. And um, But their dividend looks pretty, pretty solid uh, over the years. And, um, and, and they, are, they are heavy auto, but they've got other, other, other businesses as well. So a little bit of a, of a crapshoot. But thanks, guys. I appreciate your perspective. All right, John. Thanks for the call. You have a good one. Bye-bye. All right, that does open the phone line, 833-288-0973. That's 833-288-0973. Let's go up to uh, San Marcos and speak with Phil. Phil, you're on the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. 
Uh, I wanted your guys' comments on a fertilizer company called Mosaic, M-O-S. I bought in very small percentage, probably 0.5% of my portfolio, and was wanting to get the numbers from you guys to see if I should add any more. But before you do that, can I just make a get your uh, comments on a, kind of the same topic? Um, do you guys believe in the overreactions sometimes that you see from analysts? Um, there's one thing that we're both in together, uh, massive um, insurance conglomerate. They just released earnings in which they made $1.1 billion in the quarter. Right. And one analyst downgraded them from buy to hold, and their stock dropped massively. And I'm saying, uh, that's ridiculous. So I, uh, I thought that was an opportunity to buy up. It corrected itself, and three to five days later, and I sold out. Do you guys ever believe in that, or what's your opinion or thoughts on that? Well, I, I mean, because we're buying businesses and we don't care about one analyst, you know, like, oh, you know, he downgraded and the stock went down and so forth. We, we would not trade that stock, but it could be that it's like, yeah, this created a great buying opportunity for it, but I don't pay attention to one analyst. We, we That's why we look at the main of all the analysts because, you know, some are going to be way high, some are going to not like it, they'll be low. It's uh, also why we like a, at least like five analysts so you get a nice spread over there. And, and we'll listen to what they're saying. And, and one that always cracks me up is like, oh, we're downgrading it from buy to hold because of short-term pressures. Long-term, we still think it's really great, but short-term, we think there's some pressures. <laughs> I kind of chuckle at that one. Right. Like, well, that, that's not what we do. I don't care about the <laughs> short-term. We're buying this business longer-term. So great, you think it's a buy long-term, but short-term <laughs> trying to trade it. Good luck. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and just one of those things that uh, we're buying the business for three to five years and we don't really care that you know oh we bought it we, we when people come in we tell them well we'll buy here and oh it goes down it goes up i mean that's going to happen when you invest you can't look at the short term and especially just because one analyst and the other one i like too like oh we downgraded it uh, the stock might trade 100 we downgraded it from 150 dollars a share to 140 well, it's still worth more than yeah. trading now. So what difference does your down? The stock goes down. It's like, well, right. it's still way above. You know? <laughs> yeah, so so we, we don't pay too much attention to the analysts uh, uh, as an individual thing because there could be a thing there. So does that help you out there, Phil? <clears throat> it does. And Chase, do you know what company I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I think I do. <laughs> okay. All I don't, right, don't want to give it away to the listeners, though. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, I don't either, and that's why I'm kind of careful. But um, I like doing those things because I think a lot of the times, short term, and, and these are the things we're in together. <laughs> I I just love taking advantage of those overreactions. Yeah, uh, it, it, many times. But I am done curious about Mosaic uh, MOS. Yeah, and and this is a an industry that I kind of look at, and I wish. And again, you can't do everything. We always kind of make fun about the Motley Fool, like, oh, you would have 600%. Well, yeah, because they can buy everything because they're not having the cash to buy. we got to be you know, particular. But I, I'm glad you called about this one because I think we missed this one. And the fertilizer keeps seeing it because we know that you know, inflation is coming up, food prices are coming up, and this could benefit. So uh, when oh, you said you bought like a half percent or something, how, how long ago did you buy that? <clears throat> uh, it was in the low 40s. Okay, but but there was a time frame. Uh, about a month ago. Oh, okay. <clears throat> All right. I'm struggling over there. Yeah, I'm struggling. All of a sudden, I got a frog <laughs> in my throat here. All right, so, so let's like, take a look at the Mosaic. Their symbol is MOS. We do see a short. It's only 1.7%. Institutional ownership, about 81%. 
Uh, they have a P-E ratio pretty good, 10 versus 14.9. Price to sales, 1.6 versus 1.8. Price to book value, very good because it's 1.9. The industry is at 32.8. We're talking about the price to tangible book value, which takes out all the intangible assets, so a much uh, stringent uh, looking than just at the price to book value. Price to cash flow, 9 versus 11.7. A good peg ratio of 1 versus 1.6. Now, this is what I was kind of talking about. One year earnings per, per uh, growth change is 168% growth in the earnings. Industry up 99%. Sales are up 26.4% above the industry at 19.5. Here's what's disappointing though. Uh, the five-year growth for Mosaic is only seven. For some reason, the industry is getting a 35% five-year growth. So I'm kind of disappointed why that is there. Would, would probably want to know. We do see they have a dividend yield of 1%, only use 5% of the earnings to pay that out. Look at the balance sheet, current ratio 1.3. That is below the industry at 1.7, but that's okay. Debt to equity 0.4 versus 0.7, that is good. I do see day's inventory outstanding or 97.2 versus 123, that is good. Net profit margin 16.4, that's above the industry at 11.9. And return on equity, very good, 17.2 versus 10.1. Chase, what do you got? Well, I gotta say, I, I love this company. I love the idea of fertilizer. It's such a, a basic, basic concept. Thing. Easy to understand. Need, and yeah. you need the farming, you need the agriculture. So I, I love the concept of this business. Uh, the numbers look good so far. Let's take a closer look at some other numbers too, though. Current price here, $46.87. I do see 52-week high, $47.55. And then low, $27.23. Not surprised to see this at all. Year-to-date return, well, that's up 19 Point three percent, so great start to the year. While the S and P's down seven percent, so uh, it, it's a, a company that I think is again benefiting from this inflation trend that we're seeing. I do see market cap, good size company here at seventeen billion dollars. If I go forward to December two thousand twenty-two, wow, this number looks great. Seven dollars and ninety-three cents would give us a target sell price of one hundred thirty-one dollars and sixty-four cents. I'd say don't get too excited on that number though, because it's a little bit elevated. And what I mean by that is you go. December 2023 it drops back down to $4.16. And this is one thing that does always concern me a little bit is when you see the earnings fluctuation that's really all over the map. I see 2021 for the full year, their earnings growth is estimated to be 496%. Wow. Then again, next <clears throat> year, 2022 is supposed to be 57%, then a decline of 47% in 2023. So earnings are really all over the map here. Uh, it's pretty cyclical, but I, I still think that there's more room for this company. It's a little bit harder to value, but I, I, I still think you're okay here at the current time. And, and the thing I noticed, Chase, was the range of estimates were, were very wide. The low was 470, the high is $11.12. Yeah. So you got a big range there, which means no one's really certain what this is going to earn. With we, we like those much tighter. The other thing we like to do is that I know the stock has been increasing, is that we kind of like to buy things when they're on sale, not when everybody else is, is kind of there. So it doesn't mean the stock won't go higher but I don't think you're getting a great deal uh, for the stock at the current time. Nope. Yeah, I was just wondering if I'd missed the boat. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think and you missed it a little bit. a small piece of it. Yeah, and, and, I, and I gotta tell you, doing this for 40 years, Phil, I look back and it's just like, gosh, I wish I would've done this one, I wish I would've done that one. <laughs> but you just can't reality because you, you're gonna miss things, but you have to hopefully learn from that and, and go forward. But I mean, gosh, doing this for 40 years, I, I bet you there's 
probably a hundred that I that I've missed. I look back at, at least. But it, yeah, <laughs> at least, yeah. Um, like we have three a year at least. Yeah, know? yeah. So, but it, it it's just something that because again now now you have all the information with inflation, food inflation is going up. Gosh, what a no brainer! A year ago, I should have bought fertilizer companies because they would benefit. You know, so but um, that's why I love doing this because it's not easy and uh, it's very challenging. But when you hit it right, it's like, it well, feels good because you've done all the research. But that's the other thing, too, research. I mean, it takes us a long time to find these companies. And uh, you, you can't be researching 20 different companies. Well, and there's thousands of stocks out there. And, Phil, I know you used the analogy of the, the bullets in the gun before. You only have so much ammo. You can't just take unlimited shots at these companies because, well, you don't have that up, that m- amount of cash. Right, you know? right. <laughs> it's only so limited. You can't buy everything that's out there. So, you know, you can't beat yourself up. You're going to miss things. And. And that's just the reality of investing. Yeah. All right, Phil. Hey, thanks. I really appreciate it, guys. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, that does open the phone line, 833-288-0973. That's 833-288-0973. Uh, Art in San Diego, stay patient there. We're going to talk to our financial planner, Harrison Johnson. Good morning, Harrison. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, guys. I'm doing well. How do I sound this morning? Can you guys hear me okay? You sounded fine to us. Yeah. You sound All right, sound- good. Yeah, good. We, <laughs> maybe we got that re- resolved there. So um, you're talking this morning about the time value of money. And I love this concept. Some people may not get the concept, but uh, I- I'm glad you're talking about this. So uh, explain to us what do you mean. So this concept, it's a little abstract, but... It's really important to understand, and if you understand it, you can apply it to make decisions because it essentially looks at opportunity costs, which all of us um, have a limited number of resources, so we really need to understand the total impact of the decisions that we're making. So it's really important, and if you understand it, you can use this to make decisions regarding all kinds of things, Social Security, your pension, how quickly you're paying down your mortgage, how you're contributing to your 401k, all kinds of, of financial things that you're doing. You need to understand not the not just the result, but the time value of that decision that you're making. So one way that I explain this, when I'm working with someone, I'm, I'm presenting to them, I pose a hypothetical question to them and I say, okay, you know, let's say I'm gonna write a check to you guys for $10,000. Would you like to get that check right now or would you like to get that check in 20 years? It's the same check, same $10,000. When would you like to get it? Well, obviously, you'd want to get it right now. And the reason is, you know, you can use it to pay off debt. You can invest it. You can spend it. You can you can use that money now. But what that illustrates is that time influences the value of money. Dollars today are more valuable than dollars in the future. So, um, you know, there's all kinds of things you can apply this to. So let, let's pull Social Security, for example. Um, Let's say we've got somebody and they're going to retire at age 60. Um, That's not uncommon now. You know, I I talk with a lot of people that are retiring in their 50s and their early 60s and everything. So let's say someone's retiring in their 60s. Well, right now, if you look at Social Security, because of the life expectancy of a lot of people now, people are living longer and longer. Collecting Social Security at age 70 usually gets you the most dollars because your people are living so long and they are able to collect more by getting a higher payment by waiting. But the problem is if someone retires at 60 and they don't collect social security until 70, that means they have 10 years of collecting nothing. 
So the present value of those Social Security payments, although it's, it's larger, because you have to wait so long in order to get them, the total amount is actually reduced because of that time value. Um, now, to, to kind of go further into that, by waiting on Social Security, that means you're now depleting your other assets. Maybe you have most of your money in an IRA. You're pulling from that IRA to supplement your income. Now you're depleting your assets. Also, IRA income is taxed at a higher rate than Social Security is, so you're being taxed more heavily. Um, also, IRA assets would have gone to your kids, but now you're depleting that in order to wait on the Social Security, which Social Security doesn't go to your kids, so you're depleting your assets faster that way. So it's, it's not enough just to look at the total dollar value of something. You have to incorporate the influence of time, and you use this using the present value functions, future value functions, net present value functions, understanding cash flows, and, uh, and analyzing that it that way. And a lot of advisors don't look at things this way. I'm, I'm technically a national social security advisor. None of the stuff that I learned in that program talked about the, the time value of money as it regards to social security. It's all just about how do we get the most money off social security? Well, that's fine, but we want to make sure that whatever decision we're making works best for the individual person and their whole situation with the rest of their assets and the rest of their income. So it's very important to understand how the time value of money can be used to to make decisions that you have to make. And, and here's, I was gonna, gonna ask you, I mean, how important and how much do you use this in your financial plans for uh, people coming in and becoming clients for financial planning? So when I present a plan to somebody, it's not uncommon for it to take three to four hours because the depth that I go into and the way that I explain things is is a long process. And every almost every decision that I make incorporates the time value of money. And so when I tell somebody that this is what they should do or shouldn't do, I go through and I have to explain these abstract concepts. But afterwards, people say, you know, no one's ever talked to us in this way. No one's ever explained it this way, but it makes so much sense. So it's absolutely important um, and crucial that uh, when people are making decisions regarding anything, um, that, that they incorporate the time value money in, in that. And I was going to ask you that question. <clears throat> I mean, how many people come in that have a financial plan already, and you talk about the future value, the present value of money, and they say, well, my financial planner never talked about that. I, I think it's rare to do what you do. It's more complex, I think, because people don't get it or, or, or no. <clears throat> uh, I mean, it's, like I said, most advisors, I think, don't look at things this way. They're they're more concerned with selling things or, or managing money or whatever, where, you know, what I do is I help people make the right decisions regarding all kinds of, uh, you know, their, their entire situation. So in order to do that correctly, we need to apply the time value money. And, again, I, I don't know that many other people that do it or they don't go into the um, – they don't spend the time trying to explain it because it is a little bit abstract, but it is the right way to, to look at things. All right. Well, uh, again, people say, gosh, that sounds pretty good. I, I, I want to know more about that. We do the free consultations for people to give you a call. So I'll I'll let you go. I'll give out how they get a hold of you. But Harrison, thank you very much. And we'll see you. We'll see you Monday morning. All right. Sounds good, guys. We'll see you Monday. OK, bye bye. Again, that's our financial planner. He's a CFP, Harrison Johnson. You heard about the future value, the present value. If you want a second opinion on your financial plan or maybe you don't have a financial plan, you do get a free consultation with Harrison. You give him a call at the office at 858-546-4306. That's 
646-406-4306. You can also visit the website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Uh, and can reach them that way. And I, I did want to talk a little bit about too while we're talking about the sure. website is, uh, you know, we do our weekly stock analysis videos and want to make sure people are aware of the one we did yesterday. We, we talked about Twitter, <laughs> kind of a fun <laughs> one, but also too, it's interesting because we talked a lot about stock buybacks and the benefits and perhaps the pitfalls of them as well. So I uh, want to make people aware of that video. I think it's a useful tool. We get to spend around 12, 15 minutes on uh, uh, one company, which is quite useful for our listeners. So uh, you want to go to YouTube, type in the Smart Investing Show with Brent and Chase Wilsey. You'll you'll find that video there. You can also go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com, and go to In the News, and you'll see the weekly stock analysis. So, um, you know, do that. try to do that on a weekly basis. Yeah, we, we have a lot of information on our website that's active that keeps changing. So, uh, again, smartinvesting2000.com. I think you'll find quite a bit there. Phone number is 833 833- Two eight eight zero nine seven three. That's eight three three, two eight eight zero nine seven three. Let's go out to San Diego and speak to Art, who's been waiting very patiently. Good morning, Art. How are you doing this morning? Hey, good. Good morning, guys. Um, I wanted to uh, get your opinion on Skyworks, symbol SWKX. Okay, and do you hold that or looking to buy that? I bought a few shares. I, I, I get this dividend growth newsletter uh, about a month ago. They recommended it. And I okay. started a position in it, uh, but uh, it's fallen even further since then. So I've, I've not gotten any more, but I wanted to get your opinion on it. Okay. And actually, well, it's SWKS. Sorry, I think I gave you the wrong symbol. Uh, no, we, we, we got it good here. Skyworks Solutions, SWKS. Uh, we do see not much short on it, to 1.9%, only 76% held by institutional investors. Uh, PE ratio 16, that's pretty good because the industry is at 27. Price of sales 4.4 versus 6.1. Price of book value 14.3, well below the industry at, at over 100. And price of cash flow 11.9 versus 17. And you do want those valuation ratios lower than the industry average. Also to a nice peg ratio going forward of 1.0 versus 5.2. Earnings for the one year are up by 31% for Skyworks, but the industry was up 41.6. Sales for Skyworks up 28.7. They beat the industry here. Industry was only up 4.9%. And you have a five-year estimated growth from the analysts of 12.7 for Skyworks, but 20.4% for the industry. Now, they do pay a dividend of 1.7%. They only use 25%. They're to pay that out, so I think that's pretty good. I do also see a five-year dividend growth rate of 14.9%, which is nice to see. Look at the balance sheet. Current ratio, very nice, 4.2 versus 3.5. A lot of liquidity there. Debt to equity, 50% versus 60%, so that is good. We do see a net profit margin of 27.2 versus 22.9. And return on equity is 26 for Skyworks just below the industry at 26.7. Chase, what do you got going forward? Yeah, so I was kind of looking at the, the company. I, I recognize the name, just wanted to solidify what they do, but they are in the semiconductor product uh, market, including intellectual property in the U.S., China, South Korea, Taiwan, Europe, Middle East, Africa, and the rest of Asia, Pacific. And I remember looking at this company. One big concern I'm, I believe it was this business was that Apple was a, a huge portion of their business. I'm not sure if that's still the case, but uh, mm-hmm. that, that would be of concern. That's what that name is familiar from, yeah. Yeah, and I, I know it was on fire for a little bit there, and, and it was one of the companies, oh, Skyworks, Skyworks, Skyworks. It looks like that's fizzled a little bit. As, you know, Looking at the current price at 133.13, 52-week high, 204, so it's really gotten hammered. Uh, 
over the last year. 52-week low, though, 129.72. I see year-to-date return down 14.2%. Good-sized company, though, $22 billion market cap is, uh, you know, substantial. I do see they are a California company, though. looks like they're based uh, somewhere in, like, Costa Mesa area. Uh, or Irvine. But going out to September 2023, I do see estimated earnings per share $12.88. Would give us a target sell price of $213.81. And I do believe when we looked at this company in the past, it was overvalued. So it looks like on the pullback, it, it trades at a pretty darn good valuation. And their earnings growth is, is you know, an excess of 10% for these analysts going out over the next few years. So it, it looks to be a good value, good growth. I would just want to understand their customer base. Yeah, I was going to say that exact thing is that I think you want to go to the private 10Q and look to see who their customers are because they still do have, we'll say 25% of the business comes from Apple. That could be very concerning because Apple can pick somebody else. So you, you want to understand who they're dealing with because it, it does look like a great buy. And, and again, when we invest in something, we're looking for reasons not to invest into it. So if you find that, yeah, they're kind of, concentrate on maybe one or two uh, customers, that's not good. Or an Apple in particular is, you know, Apple's got enough money where they say, ah, you know, I'm not, we're not going to pick somebody else. We're just going to do it ourselves. And they did that right. to, you know, Intel several Intel, years ago. Did, but yeah. Intel didn't make up, that wasn't a huge part of their business. So it didn't impact them greatly. Or at Skyworks, if it's 30%, it'd be like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? <laughs> you know, yeah. It could be quite detrimental. <laughs> and, and Art, if that's not the case and that this company does have a nice diversity of different customers, uh, I, I like what I see here. You got a, a you know decent dividend. You've got uh, a, a good growth on the stock. So, but just check that before we jump into it. Already? Yeah, we'll do. I think you guys uh, nailed the concern there. With I think Apple is their biggest customer, so I, I think that's why some people are concerned about it, even though they have great numbers. Hey, hey, thanks guys. I appreciate it. Okay, Art. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye bye. All righty, let's go up to or down to uh, Bonita and speak with Greg. Greg, you're on the Smart Vegetable, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hi, good morning. Well, I'm glad I got through. I uh, didn't know with your one-hour uh, format that I'd have enough time. <clears throat> but <clears throat> so quickly, I wanted to know about a company. It's a chemical company, Comores, mm. and the ticker is CC. Okay. I've owned it for a while. I don't know if, uh, what happened uh, with... Uh, the uh, inflation rate news is post or what. And, and I'm glad you pronounced the title, Camorras. I was wondering that when I saw that up. How do you pronounce <laughs> that? So thanks for doing that. Uh, so let's take a look at the Camorras symbol CC. Uh, we do see that we have, uh, oops, I got to pull this up here a little bit. Uh, let's see, there we go. Uh, then the industry of specialty chemicals, uh, about 77% institutional ownership. Uh, we see a P.E. ratio of 12.9 versus 24. That's a good start. Price to sales, 0.8 versus 2. Price to book value, 5.4 versus 77. Price of cash flow is also good, 5.3 versus 14.2. And a peg ratio, very good, 0.3 versus 7.1 going forward. Uh, earnings looking good at 75% uh, growth over the year, above the industry at 27.9. Sales up 22.9 versus 11.7. They pay a nice dividend, 3.3%, only use 42% of their earnings to pay that out. And then look at the balance sheet, uh, current ratio 1.9, better than the industry at 1.8. Oh shoot, everything was looking so good. Now debt to equity not looking so good here. Uh, four, 410% versus 0.9. So that's one thing that concerned me 
I'd want to look at closer at that balance sheet. And we do see a net, uh, net profit margin 6.5 versus 9.4. And then return on equity is 39.5 versus 13.4. Uh, current price here for Camores thirty dollars, and I, I was shocked. I pulled it up; it was down fifteen. Let's see, fifteen point four percent yesterday. So they must have reported wow. earnings that, that that were not advantageous for the company. But I do see fifty-two week high here, thirty-eight dollars and eighty-seven cents. Fifty-two week low, twenty-three thirty. Year-to-date down ten point six percent, and wiped out all the gains that the company had year-to-date yesterday. So that's an unfortunate to see. Obviously, got to dig through that conference call, dig through those earnings reports, see what's going on with this business. Also, too, this likely means you're going to probably see some changes to these estimates if the numbers were bad. But these numbers look pretty good because I go out to December 2023, estimated earnings per share is $5.08, gives us a target sell price of $84.33, so a, a good value stock here. But I wonder if it is perhaps a value trap. And one thing I'll point out, too, is the chemical company, surprise, surprise. Yep. I know where you're going. Oil. Oil. Oil is involved. So if energy remains high, it's going to really impact the margins for this business, and that's what could have taken it down um, mainly yesterday. Yep. Yep. All right, Greg. Earnings. Go ahead. Yeah, thank you. Was there earnings release? Actually, um, <clears throat> the uh, it's it's a volatile company. Yeah. And uh, I thought, you know, after uh, the winter time, it, it – slowed a bit but maybe the i've held it for a year and a half that maybe uh it was time but i thought we we're off the races till that inflation report came out and their earnings at the you know dated back to back and yeah. uh <clears throat> pardon me and uh what it was is they're they're growing like a weed they have different segments around the world and uh their their earnings were um good their revenue was up like 27 percent or something however they missed the estimate the yeah. analyst estimate yeah and, and, and what you want to do there great too is i think you want to kind of maybe you did this already but uh, read or listen to the conference call because perhaps it gave some guidance going forward on how energy is going to hurt their their margins so that's one thing you want to kind of listen to there but um uh could be a good time because maybe maybe down the road injury will fall give them more profits but uh we, we love listening to those conference calls and tie them to the numbers there Already, that may be it because I didn't think they were too tied to the actual oil. It's more um, minerals. Okay, yeah, because I know we've had chemical companies in the past where you know thirty percent of their their cogs or cost of goods yeah. is you know oil energy. Yeah. So uh, I, I would want to look into that. Uh, that. That's definitely a key factor for this industry. That's one thing we say about understanding the company. That's one thing to do. Are they more dependent on minerals or on oil? What type of chemicals? Are they actually yeah, uh, making here? And if it is minerals, what minerals are those uh, going yeah. up to? That, that's <laughs> not just oil. <laughs> All right, Greg. Thank you for calling. Bye-bye. Thanks for your help. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Gosh, I look over like that. That we're just out of time. I, I did see, and we, we didn't get to get to her. I think her name was Jessica and Terrasana. I saw the notes, uh, some about a blended family and, and, and their 50s and stuff. So Starting uh, saving starting as a savings. blended family yeah, now. Yeah, so, so. I I'm, I'm, I'm apologize we couldn't uh, get to you there. Uh, give us a call next week. We're here every Saturday morning from 8 to, I almost said 8 to 10. No, 8 to 9. <laughs> 8 to 9. But also, too, you know, we have podcasts out there. You can kind of catch us on that. 
So too, I mean, you can always, you know, call the office directly if you have like important questions that you need answered. You don't have to wait till next Saturday. Uh, we are in the office to answer those. Questions. Be careful that I'm not going to break down a stock for you. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, but if you have questions about like Jessica's question, there, happy to help. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening to Smart Investing Show. It is for informational purposes only and should not be used as investment advice. If you would like to discuss in more detail your investment needs, have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Or visit our website as well, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information along with investment tips, go to our Facebook page, Smart Investing with Brent Chase Wilsey. Have a great day. We'll talk more next week right here on the Smart Investing Show. To think that I did all that And may I say